by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope to people that were caught in the devastation of addiction or overrun by emotions in this series. Learn how to identify feelings, what motivates actions, and find biblically-based solutions to manage emotions. Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 15 years ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom. For those you love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Freedom to Choose. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. Susan, for those just tuning in, uh, we've begun a new series, uh, and this is our second episode. What's our series about? For the next several months, we'll be talking about self and human emotions. Okay. Give us some examples. What do you mean? Well, like I said last week, we're going to be talking about things like anger, stress, jealousy, anxiety, self-esteem, depression, and much more. Wonderful. What are we going to talk about this week? This week we're going to talk about the root cause of all of our problems as human beings. What would that be? That would be self. Ourselves is our biggest enemy. Now why would you say that? Why would you say ourselves is our biggest enemy? Uh, because we're the what the root of the problems is in the human heart more than okay. anywhere else. Is so that... the problem is in the heart. Right. Beautiful. Would you uh, please open today's program with a word of prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, bringing us here today, and we pray that as we look into this topic of self, that you would show us the, the true picture of what's going on inside of our minds and inside of our hearts, and that above all, you would help us to change and, and to be healed and be, to become the people that you would have us to, to be. And we're so grateful for all that you've done in our lives, and, and we just thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, someone once said, a man is called selfish not for pursuing his own good, but for neglecting his neighbors. I've also heard it s- said that a selfish man is a thief. That's interesting. Do you know what it is that most selfish people steal? Mm-hmm. What is it? They steal time. They steal time, don't you? Mm-hmm. Don't they? And it doesn't matter whether you are addicted to uh, substances or if you your are, job or, or your job or whatever. The most thing that an addicted person steals is time. So how do we become unselfish? You know, is there a procedure to follow? Is there a roadmap? And even more importantly than that, is there a procedure not to follow? That's probably more like it. That's probably more like it. You know, one time, uh, not too long ago, uh, we had some friends over, and they had some little girls, and we were out in the field. And the little girls are our friends, too. The little girls (laughs) are our friends, too. And uh, we, we were out in the field walking around. It was a sunny afternoon. And they started running over to these mushroom type looking things, and and stomping on them. They were thrilled. And they were just going crazy. And we have 10 acres, and they're just running over, and they'd find another one, and they go stomp on that one. I said, what are you guys doing? And they said, well, these are puffballs. Puffballs? Yeah, watch. And they, and she would, uh, her name was Olivia, and Olivia would start stomping on this puffball. It was like a mushroom, but it's, it's bigger, and it's round, and it's all enclosed. 
and until she started stomping on it. Once, once, yeah, when she started stomping on it, it broke loose and it was dry inside, and a little powder came out. And then she stomped again, and a little more powder came out, and she continued to stomp at a fairly rapid pace. And pretty soon, she was almost engulfed in this smoke, if you will, or powder or whatever. And it went everywhere. It got all over everything. And as I looked at that, and I saw her stomping on that, I thought, that's exactly what the human condition is. The more you stomp, the worse it gets. Self cannot stomp out self. Self cannot fix itself. Self cannot heal itself. Something else must. Remember Paul, what, that he said that he had to die daily? Die to what? Die to self. In other words, what Paul was saying was that we have to reckon ourselves dead. We cannot listen, listen to the clamoring of that old man. We can't do it on our own, though, can we? No, we can't. What is it that gives you the, the desire not to sin or not to do wrong? What is it that motivates you? you know, of course, we can say the Holy Spirit, naturally, but... Uh, but what we want to get at is, is what is your motivation as Christians right now to do the right thing? Because that's what we're going to talk about today. And I think by the end, we'll find out that even some of our motivations are skewed right now as Christians. Right, because an author once said, how often our service to Christ, our communion with one another, is marred by the secret desire to exalt self. The secret desire to exalt self. Isn't that the truth? You know, the Bible says something about how deceitful our hearts are, and I think that's why that author said the secret desire. What does is, what is Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, 9 say? It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, you remember the story in the Bible about King David and how he listened to the clamoring of the old man, and then when he got into trouble, how he tried to fix things himself? I do. You know, the story goes, he's up on the rooftop and he looks down and he sees Bathsheba. And what does he say? Bring her to me. And I think it was even told at that time, you know, who is that? That's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Right. Bring her to me, right? He's going to fix the clamorings of the old man by acting out. Right. And in Second Second Samuel 11, 4, it says, David sent messengers to get her and they brought her to him. Afterward, he, she discovered that she was pregnant and sent a message to David to tell him. David then sent a message to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. Now you remember. Um, Uriah was out fighting. Uriah was out in the heat of the battle. Right. David was back at the castle. And, and also the Bible says it was the time when kings went out to battle, right. but David was back. So Bathsheba's yeah. husband, Uriah, is out on the front fighting for his king, who was David. Yeah. So he, Uriah comes home, and Second Samuel eleven eight says, Then he said to Uriah, Go on home and rest a while. Uriah left, and David had a present sent to his house. But Uriah did not go home. Instead, he slept at the palace, he slept at the palace gate with the king's guard. Now, why did David send him home? Because Bathsheba was pregnant. And so he wanted Uriah to go home and lay with his wife. Correct. To cover the whole thing up. Correct. So David's stomping on that puffball right now. That's right. And it's starting to get a little bit cloudy. And Uriah answered, The men of Israel and Judah are away in battle, and the covenant box is with them. 
My commander Joab and his officers are camping out in the open. How could I go home, eat and drink and sleep with my wife? By all that sacred, I swear that I could never do such a thing. So David said, then stay here the rest of the day and tomorrow I'll send you back. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. David invited him to supper and got him drunk. But again that night, Uriah did not go home. Instead, he slept on his blanket in the palace guard room. That must have infuriated David. He's trying to fix this problem. If he can just get Uriah to go home, all of his problems are over, right? Correct. In his mind. Correct. The next morning, David, at, at his last resort, he's, the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, and he sent it by Uriah. He wrote, put Uriah in the front line where the fighting is heaviest, then retreat and let him be killed. So Uriah doesn't go home. So David has one thing, the only thing that in his mind for him to fix his problem is to, to make it go away. To make it go away, you see. And so he sends Uriah with a letter, his own letter, his own, his death, own death warrant. His own death warrant. And sure enough, this is what happens. So David not only committed adultery, not only tried to force Uriah to go home a couple times, not only got him drunk, and not only murdered him to cover it all up. So we're going to look at the behavior of both of them. What was Uriah's motivation for the way he acted? Uriah in his heart wanted to do the right thing. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit, to do the right thing. Right. The right thing was... He was fighting. His men were out there. He says, how could I do such a thing? How could I enjoy myself when I know well, that, that my fellow countrymen are out fighting? It would not be the right thing for me the, to enjoy myself. And that's what it is. Being led by the Spirit is simply doing the right thing because it is right. Right. What was David's motivation? Self-preservation. He was trying to fix things himself. And, of course, the more he tried to fix, the more he made a mess of things, right? Correct. See, sins are more than just something to be blotted out in a book, stamped forgiven. And we know the Bible says that. They're in a book, they're stamped forgiven, they, or they can be blotted out. Um, but sin happens in people. It happens in human beings. And we know that God wants us to be clean because the Bible tells, tells us in the book of James, in fact, in James 4, 7, James says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. But there has, to be, there has to be more to it. What's the motivation? See, and this is the point we want to get to, because we as human beings are selfish, as we've been discussing. But you have, you have a child, why, and you tell the child not to run into the street. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to swat their bottom, right? So why does not the child run into the street? Because he's going to get his bottom swiped. Because he's going to get spanked, right? And for the child to start off with, that's pretty good motivation, right? Correct. But doesn't there come a time in the child's life when he really does get it? Doesn't there come a time in the child's life when he realizes that not running into the street is not wrong just because mommy says it's wrong? It really is wrong. It will affect the child's health. You see... There comes a time in the child's life when, when he realizes that mommy's not the enemy. The car that's doing 45 miles an hour down the street is the enemy. And there's where the danger lies. 
It's the same thing with sin. God is not the enemy. Sin is. Sin is what causes health problems, not God. Now, fear of punishment is good motivation for starters, but God wants us to grow up and understand who the real enemy is. Who is the real enemy? Well, Romans 6.23 says, for wages, for for the, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, it's diametrically opposed. The wages of sin is death. In other words, in, in fact, another version, the Good News Bible puts it this way. Sin pays its wage. Its wage is death. But God's gift is eternal life. Do you see the... It's, it's opposed to one another. But somehow, some way, we make God the enemy. And I know that through my life and until i really came to christ and and realized that god was not the enemy the enemy was sin that lied in me right that but, was the enemy because in james 1:14 it says but we're tempted when we are drawn away and trapped by our own evil desires by our own evil desires you see then our evil desires conceive and give birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death see God is not the enemy. No, sin is. Sin is the enemy. And Ezekiel thirty-three eleven says, Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the de- death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Every act of transgression reacts upon the sinner, works in him a change of character, and makes it more easy for him to transgress again. Isn't that the truth? I know when when I graduated from high school, I started doing not very bright things, but seemingly insignificant, insignificant, you know, drinking a little bit here, smoking a little bit here. But every time I did it, it made it easier to do it again, and it made it easier to do more of it again and to go out farther and farther on the edge. Every act of sin, every act of transgression works a change in you. Right, because it's a new normal. So you start at one spot, and then you go out on the edge, and then your normal. That becomes it, your new normal. Exactly. And in, and, and it, by choosing to sin, men separate themselves from God. See, they cut themselves off from the channel of blessing, and the sure result is ruin and death. And that's where we were both headed. See, what would happen... If I stopped off at a bar on the way home from work every night, I mean, I know that's the wrong thing to do. I used to do that kind of stuff. Well, what would happen was Susan would kill me, right? I don't know that I would kill you, but... <laughs> but I would be in a world of hurt. You would be in a lot of I, trouble. Okay. But does that make Susan the enemy? No. See, it doesn't. But stopping at a bar is not wrong just because Susan says it wrong. It, it, it really is wrong. So what is my motivation for st- not stopping at the bar? Is it fear of punishment f- from Susan? Probably. She's nodding her head, yes, probably. <laughs> no, if, if that were the case, I would do it any time I could get away with it, see? As long as I could sneak my way around and then... But see, so operating on fear of punishment is okay for starters. Mm-hmm. It's okay for a child. But it's not... We, we have, have to, to grow, mature. We have we to gotta, mature. We, we have to grow up. We have to grow up and understand why we do what we do. Right. And, and why self is so destructive and what the enemy really is. And the enemy is within us, and it's sin. Uh, the place I work for, um, the contractor I work for, requires uh, us to have OSHA 30-hour training. And in this 30-hour training, they tell us about a lot of safety stuff. 
And one of the stories, sometimes they tell horror stories to get you to kind of, wow, really? And one of the stories that they told us was that there was a a man on a tractor that had, was, it was on a, a blade, I believe it was, one of the, um, a motor grader, and he was cleaning off a slab, and he was going quite fast doing it because all he was cleaning was, was uh, some just loose dirt and stuff. And so he's kind of flying along on this slab and he, he makes one pass and then he moves over. And as you can, if you can kind of get it in your mind's eye, he moves over a little bit and he makes another pass with his blade right on that concrete. And then he moves over a little bit again and he makes another pass with that blade on the concrete and he moves over again and he does it again. But the thing is that he hits a piece of number nine rebar, which is about an inch and an eighth sticking out of that slab. And it stopped that blade cold from going 45 miles an hour, stopped it cold, sucked him out of the cab of that blade and killed him instantly when he landed on the concrete. Why do you suppose it sucked him out of the cab? Because he didn't have his seatbelt on. You see, so not wearing your seatbelt is wrong, not only because OSHA says it's wrong, it really is wrong. You see? Committing sin is not wrong just because God says it's wrong. It really is wrong. It really does hurt. That's right. And you know what? There's going to be no cheating going on in heaven. There will be no cheating in heaven. There will be no sneaking and stopping here. There will be no cheating. Right. And you know what? This is is another great um, quote that I read from, from an author. We are not to regard... We are not to regard God as waiting to punish the sinner for his sin. The sinner brings punishment upon himself. His own actions start a train of circumstances that brings the sure result. It is not the fear of punishment or the hope of everlasting reward that leads the disciples of Christ to follow him. It is the love of Christ that softens and subdues the soul. They hear his voice and they follow him. Yeah, see, if the only reason we're going to follow God is because we're afraid we're going to get a swat on the bottom or we're afraid we're going to get punished. Um, That's not going to do it. That is not going to do it. Um, If the only reason you don't speed is because you're afraid you're going to get a ticket, what happens when you're out and you don't see any policemen around? You speed, Right. right? See, so that motivation is a selfish motivation, and that's what we're talking about. Fear of getting caught. Fear of getting caught. Fear of getting punished. Instead of doing the right thing because it is right. And that's what the Bible is all about. Putting self self at the back and being willing to say, I'm going to drive like a responsible driver because I am concerned, not just because for myself, but I'm concerned for every other driver that I'm going to come across. Yeah. Right. And and so... um, this is why we ask that question once again. What what gives you the desire not to sin? What is it that motivates you? Are you afraid to sin because of what God will do to you? Or are you afraid to sin because of what sin will do to you? Because, see, that's really trusting God's Word. Understanding what sin will do to you. Right. And believing God. Yes, God, I believe you that sin is malignant. It is will cause health problems. And I know I can testify of that because of the damage that I've done to myself, and Susan knows the damage she's done, not only physically, but emotionally, the things that normal people can digest during a day sometimes can be a struggle for us. But we've grown quite a bit. But that's why we wanted to do this program on emotions, is because 
when we understand we can trust God and really understand that when we sin, we cause damage to ourselves, and we believe God's word, he's not just telling us to obey the Ten Commandments just because he wants to rule, and if you don't, you're going to get swatted. He wants us to be able... He knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us, so we can live happy, healthy, um, social lives and not hurt each other, and especially not hurt ourselves, because if we hurt ourselves, we don't treat others and and, well. and then not only that, but if we hurt ourselves, he hurts as well. Exactly. Ultimately. So he wants the very best for us. In Ezekiel thirty three eleven, it says, "As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye, from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel?" You see what he's saying. Why will you die? Why will you sin? Why, please, turn from your evil ways. You're killing yourselves. Why will you die? He begs. I can just imagine tears in God's voice. Why will you die? God is not the enemy. Self is. Now, hopefully, there comes a point in a child's life when he or she realizes, like we talked about, that if he or she runs out in front of a car and gets killed, it will also kill mommy. That's true Christian maturity, because there comes a point in a time in a Christian's life that he realizes every time he sins, it kills Jesus. Did you realize that? When did it come, when did it come to your realization that not only, because I know I started out, uh, I started out uh, realizing one time when, when I constantly thought that God was trying to nail me. He was waiting for me to mess up so he could nail me. Mm -hmm. And I finally came to the realization that that wasn't the case, that he was hoping I wouldn't mess up so that I get closer to him Mm -hmm. because I was punishing myself Mm -hmm. by sinning. Mm -hmm. I was punishing myself by, by harming, by harming myself. Now we can not only in substances, but we can harm ourselves by letting our emotions rule ourselves. Resentment. Resentment. Being angry with Being angry. Does that other person know how angry you are with them? The majority of the time they don't. They don't. So it's a bunch of wasted energy. Have you ever been just so angry with someone and you finally come up and you you talk to them about it and they had no clue you were angry? You wasted all that energy. Those blood vessels got strained, you know? Um, The same thing about stressing over work. And so what do we do? We got to give it to God, don't we? Yes. So what we're talking about here is Christian maturity. Um... Understanding what is right and what is wrong, believing God when he says something is bad for you. Knowing what sin really is. Knowing what sin really is and realizing that God is not the enemy, that sin is, self is. It's that desire to harm, that desire to be selfish, and we cannot live. There'll be no cheaters in heaven. There'll be no no, uh, just, um, what do I want to say? There'll be... Everyone in heaven will be able to live in harmony. They will be thinking of others. They will not be thinking of self. And they will also be thinking of God. And how can they glorify God? How can they talk about God? How can, how can, uh, how can you glorify God? Because we glorify God how? Not only in what we do and in what we say and how we act. See, there's, there's a difference between feeling good and acting good. And there's a third category, and that is being good. Mm-hmm. Just overall 
being good. And see, that's why the the statement, are you afraid to sin because of what God will do to you? Or are you afraid to sin because of what sin will do to you? Or are you afraid to sin because of what sin will do to God? Right. That's true Christian maturity. I know a lot of people right now, and it's a good point to start. You know, fear is a good motivator to start off with. Mm -hmm. But we need to grow a little bit. We need to grow from that fear. You know, that's a good motivator when when mommy says, don't run into the street or you'll get a swat on the bottom. That's a great motivator. But sooner or later, the child needs to understand that the enemy is the car. And you know what? In the Bible, it says we're all to grow into maturity. We're going to, we're supposed to grow in Christ. That's right. We're supposed to grow up into salvation, right? That's right. Grow up. So remember just because you might be a certain spot in your Christian walk, some people may be uh, uh, maybe at the fear of fear state. Some other people may be uh, understanding what sin will do to them. But sooner or later, you'll get to the point where you understand that sin hurts God. Now, as we close, we'd like you to keep in mind there's a difference between having emotions and your emotions having you and that you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity, overrun with the devastation of addiction and unmanaged emotions. Rich and Susan are living testimonials, and they've created this seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction and unmanaged emotions, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to www.justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.